Hey, let Pastor Matt know how much you appreciate him and our incredible band and orchestra, right? <laughs> We're trusting in the Lord's time that he's going to send us a band and orchestra, but in the meantime, I appreciate all the hard work that Pastor Matt and his bride Jenny have done. We wouldn't be here today without Matt and Jenny and all the hard work. They got to bed about 2 or 3 o'clock this morning, and Pastor Matt put together this sound system, so we're so thankful for them. If you don't know Matt and Jenny Gregory, Matt's our associate pastor, leads us up in worship, and then Blake Lee, right down here running the, the words and the lyrics, Blake's going to be our director of students and hospitality, and Miss Anita Wilson back here heads up our finances, our treasurer, and then um, Miss Katrina Bishop here is our prayer leader. So that is your leadership team for Transformation Church. This is the leadership team that's been meeting and praying along with some other people. We've been meeting with college students, I guess since the beginning of this semester. We've been meeting out here for, what, about two months now. Um, we started off in a little room, and we moved into this room this week. And, you know, as we're praying, God, where do you want us to go? What do you want us to do? We felt very specifically from day one that East Hall is the place we need to be. There are great churches all around Hall County, but really East Hall, we need a strong church in East Hall County. And met with college students out here, and we prayer walked to this property. And we asked God to give us this property. They said, we're closed on Sunday. You can't use this on Sunday. And we just all felt strongly impressed by the Lord Jesus. This is where this church is supposed to be. So for weeks, we kept getting, no, you can't do that. Or if I get somebody to work, you can meet out there on Sundays. Well, nobody wants to work. So we came back and said, well, what if we pay them extra? So if you see Jamarco out here who's working, thank God for him. He's the leading basketball scorer at Gainesville High School and played, I think, at Charleston Southern University and overseas. And so we appreciate him. He is the reason we can come and meet. Jesus is the reason. But we're so thankful for that. You are a part of history. God heard the prayers of all of us. God opened this facility up. And as you can see, we got room to grow. We've already outgrown one room. We have two gymnasiums over here. When Portable Church comes in this week, what they'll be giving us a plan to meet in the gym. Because we've done no outreach, we've not canvassed the community, we've not advertised, we've not invited people. And already this room right here is bigger than the average church plan. I think many of you in this room know Brother Doyle Conley. He started a church in Griffin years ago with 12 people. And so we already have more than that. So we're trusting God to do great things. Thank you for your faithfulness and being a part of history. With so many churches in Northeast Georgia, why Transformation Church? Why another church? Why, why are we doing this? The truth is, and you've heard me say this probably, if every church in Hall County was filled to capacity with people standing outside of those churches, there'd be tens of thousands of lost and unchurched people in Hall County. So that's, that's the reason we think we need another church. Statistics in our local Chattahoochee Baptist Association, which we plan to be a part of when we become an officially recognized church, over 60% of baptisms in recent years have come from church plants. And I learned from Dr. Elmer Towns at Liberty Seminary a long time ago that new cells grow faster than old cells, new life group classes grow faster than old life group classes, and new churches tend to grow faster than old churches. So we believe there's a great work to be done. We're not trying to steal from any other church, but it takes a nucleus of believers like us coming together so that we can reach the lost in this county. And so if you're tired of dead, dull, stuffed shirt religion, characterized by the rut of the routine, you do the same stuff every week and nothing ever changes. If you're tired of man-centered churches or family-controlled churches with power brokers, you know, this thought hit me last night. Never again 
Well, we here at Transformation, for 50 years, this is the way we've always done it. We're a brand new church. We don't have a history. So we're trailblazing the history. We desire, and God's already answered this prayer this morning. We desire for Transformation Church to be multi-generational. You go to a lot of church plants and it's just one demographic. Julie and I visited a great church plant several weeks ago with friends of ours. We're probably the youngest people there out of about 40 people in that room. Some churches you go to, it's just all young people. Well, heaven's going to be all people. God has already given us a multi-generational church right here in this room, all ages represented. In fact, from the very first night, we kind of met to pray and organize at Tom and Anita Wilson's house. We had from children all the way up to 70s, every decade was represented. That's what we're asking God to do. The second thing we're asking God to do is give us a, a multi-ethnic church, a church that looks like heaven, people of every people group and tribe and nation. And so that's one of the things we're asking God to give us. But it's the Word of God that transforms lives. Hence, we feel like God led us to choose the name Transformation Church. And do we have our, our church logo here? Jenny worked forever and ever, ever on this logo. Changed it and tweaked it. And what you made, I didn't know this, that is an alchemy symbol that literally means transformation, right? That's what that symbol means. It literally means transformation. You want a church logo that stands out, that doesn't look like anybody else. And so when people in this community for years to come see that logo, they know that's Transformation Church. We're, we're little people being transformed in the image of Christ. That's the bigger triangle. Of course, the triangle can represent the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And when I see that, I see the fact that God has placed us here in the foothills of the North Georgia mountains. So we're asking God to transform us. We're asking God to transform this community for His glory. It's not my text, but Romans 12, 2 says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you. How does that happen? Into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn how to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The Greek word translated transform there literally means like a metamorphosis, to change into something that you weren't before. We see that same root word when Jesus was transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration and looking brilliant and something different. That same root word is used there. So when we think of the change, many times it happens from a caterpillar to a butterfly, transformed into something different. God didn't save me to keep me the way that I was, but he saved me to transform me into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus planned it to polish us up, clean us up, and make us a little bit better. He wants to transform us and make us those new creations in Jesus. If that's the case, why are so many churches like the frozen chosen? They're men, if they look like they've been baptized in vinegar and winged on dill pickle juice. And if that's the joy of the Lord, I don't want any of that. But transformation means we're totally new in Jesus. I think there are a lot of people who, and I traveled as an evangelist for a season, so I saw this over and over again, people who profess Christ but don't necessarily possess Christ. They say they have a relationship, but the reality is that they don't. So turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. When I started praying about what's our first message, what's the first message, God kept taking me back here to 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. So several words we've used in our leadership team as we've met, intentional. We want to be intentional about magnifying Jesus. We want to be intentional about impacting Northeast Georgia and indeed the nations through missions. And the other word is freedom. 
We want to have a church where you have the freedom to worship how God wants you to worship. If you want to lift up your hands, you lift up your hands. If you want to go to your knees, you go to your knees. If you want to clap your hands, you clap your hands. You have the freedom in Jesus to worship. That's what we want to be. We're not trying to be a cookie-cutter church. We're not trying to replicate any other church in northeast Georgia. We're asking God to make us a unique church that we may reach people that other church might not reach. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse number 13, we believe we stand on the authority of God's Word. And our prayer is that Transformation Church will be a church where anybody can be transformed by the truth of Jesus. And because God's Word is absolute truth, if you're able, would you stand and let's give honor and reverence to the reading of God's Word. We'll begin in verse 13. If it seems we're crazy, it's to bring glory to God. If we're in our right minds, it's for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. God, we thank you for the simplicity and the transforming power of the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you that just as you suffered and bled and died on the cross for my sins, you were buried and rose again, you did that for whoever calls upon your name. So God, burn a passion in our hearts that we will not be satisfied until we see you transform Northeast Georgia with the gospel. And Lord, if you see fit, let us be a small part of that. I pray you'd be honored today. I pray today would be a fresh new beginning of you doing a new work that we've never seen you do before because you're worthy of it. In the name of your son Jesus we pray, amen and amen. You can be seated. I just want to think with you real quick this morning, what are four things I want us to consider as we answer the question, why Transformation Church? If we're beginning a new church plant, why are we doing this? And I think we see all these things here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Number one, consider your motivation. I want us to consider our motivation. The scripture said there when he was writing to the church at Corinth, some folks thought they were crazy. Well, I've been called crazy and worse. Some people think we're crazy. Why would you step out of a uh, steady income and a steady church to do something brand new? I've heard all kind of rumors about why we did this. There's one reason we did this because of what God called us to do. I've heard all people have said, y'all are crazy to do that. There are churches everywhere. I already told you we filled every church. It's not enough room for all the lost people in the community. Some of you may be called crazy because you've left a church. Maybe God's had you at for a long time. But you followed the leadership of the Holy Spirit to come and be a part of something new. You know, I'm 58 years old. I'm a grandpa now. Am I crazy to get up at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning to go to Nabisco and stock cookies and crackers so that we can do this, what God's called me to do? Call me crazy if you want to, but I just want to be obedient. And every time we are obedient, God takes care of the results. So Paul was writing to a very troubled church when he said this, and folks said, Paul's just crazy. Man's crazy going and planting churches all over the place. College students, you're driving 35, 40 minutes from Truett McConnell College. You're passing some great churches to come down here. You're getting up early on a Sunday morning. People may say, y'all are nuts. Why would you come and do that when you can be in some great established college ministries there, when you can just sit and soak and be ministered to? These young people keep telling us they're ready to get to work. They're ready to see God do something in this community. And in fact, the scripture says Jesus, the Son of Man, he didn't come to be served, but to be a servant and to give his life as a ransom for many. So for 
a church plant to be successful, you can't rely on just a few hired, well, we don't have any hired people. We're just all volunteers at this point. We can't, it's going to take all of us working together to make this happen. So while other religious Pharisees may call us crazy, if they call Paul crazy and the first century church crazy, we're in pretty good company right here. Now, we want to be a church that exists to reach the lost. We're going to build up the saints, but we're not a church that's going to exist to scratch every itch of a holy huddle and make every Christian happy. We're existing for those outside of these walls. I know everybody in this room today, I have a relationship with everybody here at some point or another, but we're asking God to send lost people to us. And when lost people come into a church and they've never been in church, we have a son-in-law who's lost. He's been in church three or four times in his life. He's 30 years old. There are people just like that who know nothing. And they walk into a church and we use our religious jargon. You know, we use our phrases and things that we know that they don't know. And we do some weird religious stuff. We want lost people to come in here just like they are. If you want to dress up, dress up. If you want to be casual, you be casual. I got on jeans. My wife's got on a dress. You do whatever you want to do. God is more concerned about our hearts than about what we look like on the outside. We're after transformation. We're not after saved people being just comfortable because we have enough churches that do that to exist to please the whims of the power brokers. So they call Paul crazy. They call us crazy. We're in good company. What's our motivation? Look again at verse 14. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe Christ died for all, we also believe we've all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they'll live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Jesus' love demonstrated on the cross and the empty tomb. That is our motivation. That is our motivation to plant a new church. That is our motivation to ask God to let us plant that church right here in this community. So we're motivated by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus who transformed our lives as believers. And I know just as he transformed a sorry joker like me, he can transform anybody. And that's the message that we have because we died to our old way of living. Anybody can do that. And Romans 10, 13 says, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. All those homes that you passed, mobile homes, homes, big homes, little homes, Jesus died for those folks too. And we're going to want to get out there and get to know them and reach them. You know, God keeps dropping stuff in our lap. We, uh, Nolan heard, back here heard about what we were doing. Matt and I went up to Truett to chapel. We're having lunch with Nolan. And Dr. Sanders, the head of the World Missions Department at Truett, comes in and he says, Hey, Nolan, you're going to help them plant that church. I'm like, We hadn't asked him, Doc. We're just, No, you need to go help them plant that church. And by the time it was over, we're putting up our trash at Chick fil A. And Dr. Sanders says, hey, I've trained a team of 25 bilingual students to go into a community, survey the community, and come up with a plan for ministry. I'm going to send them to help you all do that. I'm not smart enough to ask for something like that. Only God can put all of that together. We are multi-generational, but we're, we want to be multi-ethnic too. If we live in a county that is 60% Hispanic, our church should reflect that. Now, most of these children speak English because they go to school and learn it, but a lot of their parents don't. So we're asking God to send us some bilingual people here, and Nolan is one of those bilingual people. Look at verse 16. So we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. Too many times we're tempted to evaluate people by the external. We say, well, that person's too young, or that person's too old, or that person's too this, or that person's too that, or they're, they're rich, or they're not rich. We look at all the outward stuff. Their skin color's different from mine. No, we don't. That's not the way we evaluate people. When we look at this community, there's only two kind of people in Northeast Georgia. 
saved people and people who don't know Jesus. That's the only kind of people we're going to see. We don't care what you look like, what your skin tone is, what your accent is like. You're either saved or you're lost. And if you're lost, we want you to be transformed like we have. And he says in that verse there, we don't evaluate Jesus from an earthly perspective either. I mean, yeah, he was a Jewish carpenter who hung up on a cross for our sins. Other people were crucified on a cross. But he's the only one who resurrected himself by his own power. And he is now the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. And he is the one we proclaim. So we're going to see and evaluate things from a spiritual perspective, not an earthly perspective. Our motivation is the love of Jesus. That's what compels us to do what we do. So as followers of Jesus, I'm not just cleaned up. I'm not just reformed. I want to be transformed, and that's what God wants to do in this community. So that's our motivation. Number two, consider your transformation. Consider your transformation. We keep using that word over and over again in our student service. We planned out our Thursday night services months and months ago. Going through the book of Romans, Pastor Andrew started us in that before he went off to the military. So that schedule was laid out. We're meeting, we're talking about a church plant. God was giving us this name, Transformation. I'd written that sermon, what, a month before. And when I preached that Thursday night, the word transformation was in there, I don't know how many times, Gracie, but over and over and over again. We want to see people transformed the way the gospel transformed us. Verse 17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. Jesus didn't save me to improve me. He saved me to transform me. He saved me to transform me so I'll take that message to other people. My identity is in Jesus. He is my all in all. I'm not who I used to be. I'm not everything I ought to be, but I'm a work in progress as he transforms me until I get to heaven and have my glorified body. That's the word I wouldn't use with a lot of lost people in the room, but one day we're going to be made perfect in Jesus. So we're to live according to that new identity. So our motivation is the gospel. We're transformed by our new identity. And I want God to do for everybody else what he's done for me. If there's never been that radical transformation in your life, why not? And you say, well, I got saved at a real early age. And my wife got saved at a real early age. But even a child can go from not having assurance in their heart to having assurance in their heart. If there's never been a change in your life, you got to ask why. Because if we're going to see God transform Northeast Georgia, i got to be sure of my salvation, and you got to be sure of your salvation as well. Be sure of that transformation. Number three, consider your declaration. What are we to declare to this community? Look at verse 18. All of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. Your translation may say reconciled. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Jesus could just holler it out from heaven. He could take his finger and write the gospel in the sky, but he's called us to be his ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to Christ. That word reconcile is a beautiful word. It means to, to bring back together, to put together again. I won't say the name, but many of you in this room know the name of a precious senior adult couple. He was a pastor many years ago. Some circumstances happened in his life. He was out of the ministry. They divorced many, many years ago. They both remarried. Both of their spouses passed away. And within God's providence, he reconciled this couple. Y'all know who I'm talking about. And now they're back together, living out their last days together. What a beautiful picture of reconciliation. Only God can do something like that. 
You ever been sideways or angry with somebody in your family or a coworker or something like that? And, and you live with that tension, and then all of a sudden God just says, somebody's got to make the first move. And you make that first move, and God puts it back together and reconciles. It's a beautiful thing, reconciliation. But because we're all born with sin in our heart and in our life, I have to be reconciled to God and brought back to faith in Him. We were separated from Him, but because of Jesus' sacrifice and the blood of Jesus, God's Son that cleanses from all unrighteousness, I can be reconciled to Him. When I put my faith in Jesus, my spiritual bank account is filled with all that God has. Is that what the Scripture says? Romans 8 says we are joint heirs with Jesus. It's like when Miss Anita went to open our Transformation Church bank account, I think with what, about $1,500 when you open that account. What if the bank manager came and said, thank you for opening this account, Miss Anita, we want you to know that Transformation Church has access to all the resources of this bank. Well, that wouldn't happen, but it happened spiritually. When you got saved, you were reconciled to God, all of the spiritual blessings of God, my filthy rags, my unrighteousness was taken away, and I was reconciled to God. The, the theological term is imputation. It was imputed to me. When you believe that Jesus is the substitute for your sins, he takes away my junk, and he puts that on Jesus, and he puts his righteousness in me. What a beautiful, glorious exchange. That's the good news that we're called to be ambassadors. That's the news that will transform northeast Georgia because we've received the gift of reconciliation. we got to declare that availability to everybody. An ambassador doesn't carry his own message. The ambassador from Russia does not declare his own message. Vladimir Putin would take care. I think we've expelled him from our country. But an ambassador doesn't say what they want to say. They speak on behalf of the king or the authority who sent him. We don't have our own message. What we have is the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the question for us, if you're a child of God, how well are we fulfilling that task? That's the message the Transformation Church must declare. Verse 21. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. When I trusted Jesus as a 15-year-old high school freshman, I exchanged my sin for His goodness. I exchanged my unrighteousness for His righteousness. My sin was poured on Jesus at the crucifixion, and at my salvation all His righteousness was poured into me. That's the message we want to declare to Northeast Georgia, Jesus' atonement for our sin. If you barter with somebody in this world in order to have a right bartering relationship, usually things of pretty much relatively equal value have to be bartered. That's not the case with the Lord. I had nothing to bring to the table. A broken mess, broken home, mobile home, Cemetery Road, Cordial, Georgia. I had nothing to offer him, and God poured his righteousness in me and through me and says, you need to declare that message to whoever will listen to you. It ought to move us with gratitude and praise. So that's our declaration. And finally, number four, consider your salvation. Consider your salvation. Look at chapter 6 and verse 1. As God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous, marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. It's not enough to hear the gospel and repeat the gospel. You have to internalize that. We went to Warner Robins where we served for 19 years and where we raised our kids last weekend to see a little, a little girl, a little miracle girl. Her parents were told they'd never have children and our church prayed. God gave them two and the oldest was baptized last week. So we're there for Eliana's baptism. They were baptizing seven that day. 
And then Pastor Jim Perdue says, and this is Laura Jones. And I kind of like, you know, looked in my eyes to look and see because it was far away. Laura Jones was one of our teenagers. She's, she was Laura Carr then. She's been to Russia with me. She's been to Poland. She shared the gospel all over the world. But said my, she came and talked to us after. I still struggled with assurance of my salvation. I just didn't have that peace that I knew. She did all these great things for the Lord. I did their wedding. I did their premarital counseling. They have a little boy. I'm so proud that Laura didn't just shake that off. There's nothing wrong with being sure of your salvation. I cannot take a gospel to Northeast Georgia if I'm not sure of my own salvation. It comes back to our salvation. So don't ignore God's amazing gift of salvation. Apparently in the text here, some in the Corinthian church had heard it, but they'd ignored the gospel. I think that's why churches close their doors literally every week. Hundreds of churches in our country close their doors every week because they're just social clubs. They don't live out the reality of their salvation, and this is the way they've always done it. They ain't going to do it any different than that. We said, we don't have any baggage. We're a brand new church. If we stay focused on the gospel, Jesus died for everybody. Jesus can save anybody. It doesn't matter what you look like, how you talk, or where you came from. He can transform you. We got a fresh start here at Transformation Church. May we never receive God's message in vain. Verse 2 says it's offered to all people. Sometimes people put off a decision for Jesus thinking, I'll just wait till later. I'll do that later. Today's not a good day. Maybe I'll do that later. The Bible gives us a warning that today is the day of salvation. We may miss our opportunity altogether. There's no time like the present. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. James, the half-brother of Jesus, says our life is like a vapor that appears for a little while and then it's gone. A vapor is like if you're cooking some you know, butter beans or peas or corn. You can tell them from South Georgia, that's what we like to eat. If you're cooking that on the stove and that vapor comes up, that vapor doesn't hang there. You can't grab it and take it with you. It disappears. He says, that's pretty much what our life is like. Our life is like a vapor. We're not guaranteed any amount of time. So today is the day of salvation. Are you certain of your salvation? If we're going to be effective as a brand new church plant, we all have to be secure in who we are in Jesus and absolutely certain of our salvation because only then can we be motivated to take that message to a lost world, a lost community that needs to know him. So we're asking you on day one, are you sure of your salvation? Do you know what your declaration ought to be? Do you know what your motivation is? And will you be with us as we ask God to do a new thing, a brand new work in this community? Are you with us in doing that? If you want to live for yourself, there are great churches you can go and sit in. I could go to Free Chapel, listen to Jensen, and nobody ever asked me to do anything. Won't ask me to take up the offering, won't ask me to pray. I just sit there. Nothing wrong with that if that's what God calls you to do. There are great churches just like that. But in order for this church to be successful, to do all that we have to do, we've got to roll up our sleeves if you have any, and we've got to be willing to work. And we, They don't give two hoots outside these walls. They don't care what we're doing in here. They could care less that we're in here. What they want to know is when we break huddle, this is like a holy huddle. When we break huddle, what are we going to do to show them that Jesus died for them and that we care about them? We don't go to Sanford Stadium with 96,000 barking dogs to watch a huddle. I don't mind them taking a huddle as long as I see the results of what happens after they huddle up and win another national championship and don't make me wait 41 years, right? <laughs> 41 more years. They don't care that we're huddling in here. What are we going to do to get out of here and to reach them? You've got great ideas of things we can do. We're asking for those. We're going to be close. We're a family. We're going to get to know each other. 
For those of you who were not there that first night, it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever... I tell the story over and over and over again at Tom and Anita's. You know, the college students from all over the state of Georgia and North, Car North Carolina, right? Different places, didn't know some of the rest of us. Before the night was over, and by the way, about half of our adult core team couldn't be here today, so I'll be even more here next week. Jenna Wilson kind of shared her testimony that night. What was over, these college girls were swapping phone numbers with her, going to go thrift shopping with her. Gracie saw a study that Anita had in her house, and she said, hey, will you teach us this study? And Anita, you just kind of looked at her. And Gracie said, the Bible says the older women are supposed to pour into the younger women, and y'all are doing that on Wednesday nights now. You know, so many churches, we get segregated by age or whatever. We're a family. We're a small group. We're going to do life together, not just for our benefit. We will benefit as we encourage each other, but for the advancement of the gospel and the transformation of this community. So pray with me, if you will. 